Hey everybody, welcome to episode 9 of our midweek podcast. I'm Pastor Josh and we're continuing in our Close Encounter series. This is a series we're going through until the month of January. We're going to just start something a little bit new. But for now, here's where we are. And this weekend, this past weekend, Pastor Marvin talked about the dying thieves, uh, the two men on the, cro- on the crosses beside Jesus as he was on the cross. And you can find this story in Luke chapter 23, uh, verses 32 to 43. And just like every other story of people encountering Jesus, this is, as, this is equally as amazing. Um, I mean, here are these two people who have been convicted of crimes, and Jesus is hanging in the middle. I mean, he's been convicted of something, and yet it's not true. He's an innocent bystander in the whole thing. And here they are, these two thieves responding to Jesus in in just different ways. And Pastor Marvin, this past weekend, actually acknowledged and, and showed us that this is actually the response of all of humanity. That people, there's no neutral ground when it comes to Jesus. People either accept him for who he is or they do not. And here on the first, uh, I mean, the first thief that is on the cross, he, the first conversation we see, he's actually jeering Jesus, just like the crowd is. He's joining in with the rest of the people and saying, you know, look, if you're really who you say you are, you'll, you'll actually get me off of this. I mean, you'll, you'll play to what I need you to be in this particular moment in time. And, uh, and if you don't, well, you know, you're obviously wrong about who you are. Be God on my terms, and that will be fine, and I'll actually believe you. And that's not what Jesus does. That's the first response of humanity. For most people that don't believe in Jesus, that's really the case. You know, prove it. If not, I'm not going to believe it. Okay. The second guy, though, the second thief, the way he responds is that he is not only having a conversation with Jesus about what Jesus can do for him, the first thing he does is that he rebukes the other thief. And he says, don't, like, don't you fear God? I mean, this very idea that he's not necessarily sure that Jesus is who he says he is. I mean, he's, he's kind of coming to that conclusion by the way that Jesus is, is acting. But, at, but first and foremost, I mean, he's not... He's, a, he's obviously a God-fearing man. He wants to make sure that if Jesus is who he says he is, that this other person who's saying crazy things should ultimately shut his mouth so that he can actually evaluate whether he is who he says he is. And obviously by the end of the conversation, he actually does believe that Jesus is who he says he is because the way he's responding to him, the stuff that he's asking him is, is pretty amazing. In verse 42, this thief actually says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He acknowledges that he is the king of the kingdom. And he's asking that this king would advocate for him when he, when he goes there. And Jesus answered him, answers him in verse 43, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This guy believes that Jesus is who he says he is, and for some very specific reasons, because on the cross, Jesus, the way he's acting and reacting is not normal. I mean, if you or I were being pinned to a cross because uh, we were accused of doing something that we obviously did not do, we would be fighting it to no end. I mean, I would literally be saying things towards the people that put me there that probably would be very inappropriate that you couldn't put on a podcast, for example. But Jesus, instead of doing any of that stuff, he's actually asking God to forgive them because they don't they have no idea what they're doing. He's overwhelmingly doing things that matter in this particular space and time that show this thief that 
this guy is completely different, and he must be who he says he is, and so he engages them that way. When you get down to what is going on in this particular story, it's, it's amazing. And Pastor Marvin has this, this quote that he, that he likes that I think is, is very poignant and significant about grace and mercy. I mean, this thief is left in wonder, right, of who Jesus is. And the reality is that to both cases, the people that deny him and the people that are actually saying that he is who he says he is, he's, he shows grace and mercy to. But to distinguish those things, Pastor Marvin has this quote that he, uh, that he likes, and this is what it says. It says, grace is God giving us what we don't deserve, and mercy is God withholding from us what we do deserve. And for both the guy on the cross who's denying him and the other guy that's actually saying, you are who you say you are, Jesus is actually pouring out grace and mercy to both in this situation. I mean, he's fully man, fully God. He can do whatever he wants. He can respond any way that he wants. He's the one that was there at creation. He was the word at creation, putting things together. I mean, the scriptures say that nothing exists without him uh, being a part of it. And yet, here he is showing grace to this one thief and mercy to the other. It's amazing. And when you think of mercy and grace, lots of times we are so thankful that we've received it. But the thought I want to kind of go through today is how hard it actually is to give grace and mercy to people in our lives who have hurt us or who might be coming against us. I mean, it's easy to give grace and mercy to people who who acknowledge us and who uh, actually want to be part of our lives. But what about the people who have hurt you? What about the people that have actually maimed you, not only spiritually, emotionally, I mean, whatever? That is the hardest space, I think, for Christians to pour out grace and mercy to those who are hurting us, who have hurt us. And I want to bring into perspective in that you know, like we sometimes consider that grace and mercy is easy for God because he's, you know, infinitely patient and he's infinitely all of these things. I mean, he is love, the scriptures say, all, all of that stuff. And yet, when we look at the commandments that Jesus gives us in life, you know, while he's living, like Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, I mean, some of it is very difficult, right? Like, we act like it's really it's really nice. We, we say like, oh, yeah, well, that's, you know, Jesus' command. That's amazing. But think about him saying, I want you to love your enemies. Oh. He says, I want you to forgive people because you have been forgiven. And if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. I mean, go, go read it. It's easy to forgive people who are sorry for what they've done. It's easy to show grace to people who, you know, are on our side and we know have made a mistake and, and all those things. I mean, it's, it's easier to do that, but it is hard for us as human beings to give it out to people who are constantly just kind of pushing us away, who don't want to have anything to do with us, who are continuing to hurt us, who have hurt us and don't even realize that they've hurt us. There's this sense of justice. Pastor Marvin talks about in his sermon, if, if, if ever you want to go listen to past sermons, go to elamchurch.ca under uh, the messages, sermons tab, uh, media tab. You'll, you'll find it there. But the idea is that, look, when it comes down to grace and mercy, it's hard. 
Pastor Marvin talks about how in the human heart we have this sense of justice that is, I think, is, is very right. It's part of the way that we're created in God's image. When there's, a negative re, when there's a negative action, there should be some kind of consequence for that action. I mean, justice is not a bad thing. I, I really do believe it's part of who we are as we're created in the image of God. But at the same time, the reality is if it just comes down to action, to consequence, you and I deserve some pretty big consequences. We love to act like, you know, we're, we're doing fine as, as individual people uh, outside of Jesus. We, I mean, people love to act like that. And yet people know that they, if they actually got what they deserved for all of the things that they have ever done, all of the stuff that they've ever um, thought that's not right, I mean, literally, we would all be in trouble. I mean, people know that, but we act like we don't. So we put off this thing of like, well, you know, I'm not as bad as this person. And yet we all want justice for the things that have gone wrong towards us. And sometimes we don't realize that we've done things to other people. And if it came down to us uh, accepting the consequences for everything that we have ever done, we would be in big trouble. And yet that's where grace and mercy come in. And it's for us, it's easier to do for people that we like and people who like us. But the people that have hurt us, that have maimed us, that we don't necessarily like, it's very hard to give out. And the thought today is this, is how hard was it for God to do that towards humanity? I mean, think about it, right? Like in the garden, he creates this whole ecosystem for us to inhabit, and then we're the ones that disobey him and say, you know what, we can do a better job without you. We don't really need you. We want to have the same you know, abilities as you do, so we're going to you know, take part in this. And obviously they were deceived, but they made a choice to participate in it. And after that, it's not like we were running after God saying how sorry we were. He ejected humanity out of the garden, and it's not like we were like, okay, well... We need, we need to get back to God. We need to make sure that we make things right. No, no, we, we went off and did our own thing. And if you read Genesis chapter 6, it talks about how evil the, the planet is, how evil humanity is. So evil, in fact, that the Spirit of God can't even contend with how awful humanity is. And so, you know, leaves. The connection is broken. And you can't tell me that it was easy for God to just be like, well, you know what? I'm just going to love these people, and I'm going to run after them, and I'm going to pursue them, and I'm never, you know what? Like, he, I'm just, grace and mercy, grace and mercy. As much as he is grace and mercy, as much as he is love, I can't imagine how hard it was for him to pour grace and mercy on people like you and me who will never, uh, outside of Jesus, own our stuff. And yet he does. And the crazy thing is that he doesn't reduce the standard for us as followers, right? Like when he's talking to his disciples throughout uh, Matthew in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's not saying to them, you know, let's lower the standard. You guys are incapable of doing this. He actually raises the standard for us to the point of saying things like love your enemies, something impossible to do outside of God's spirit living in us. He says to us to forgive people no matter what, because if we don't forgive people, he won't forgive us. I mean, that's a high standard to live up to. And yet so many of us just kind of nonchalantly take in the fact that we have been forgiven, that we have been given grace and mercy by God. And yet what Jesus is doing on the cross here with these particular thieves is that he is showing them grace and mercy, whether they like him or not. 
And the challenge for us is to really consider the words of Jesus and, and to also consider his example. That as he shows grace and mercy, not everybody buys in, not everybody accepts it, and yet he gives it out anyway. But for those that are open, those that the Spirit is working on, those that absolutely need a touch from God who are far away from him, the amazing part is that those people see that example and they, they recognize it as different. They recognize that there's something there that's just not normal. And when they realize who Jesus is, because the Spirit opens their eyes, it's amazing how grace and mercy begin to change people's hearts. And it moves them to an amazing life of liberty and freedom, even if they're pinned to a cross. You and I have this incredible opportunity to share Jesus with other people through our example and to live up to the standard that Jesus has set for us in terms of grace and mercy. I want you to think about your own life and the people inside of it. I mean, I know every human being on the planet has been hurt by somebody. And many Christians are actually struggling to forgive, to show mercy, to love their enemies, because it's so much easier to just love and care for the people that actually care and love us. But Jesus doesn't just leave us to caring for the people that like us. He cares. He calls us to show grace and mercy to people who we don't like who don't have our best interests at hearts, who want actually our destruction. Let me read you the quote again. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve, and mercy is God withholding from us what we do deserve. And as hard as it is for you to give up mercy and grace, I want you to really think about how hard it would be for a God, a perfect God, a God who never sinned, a God who never did anything wrong, who only had good intentions towards humanity, to just want to give out grace and mercy to people that continually rejected him, that didn't want to have anything to do with him, that pushed him away. I know he's patience. I know he's kindness. I know he's all of those things. And yet, kindness patience, gentleness, all of that stuff does not negate the fact that it was probably very hard for him to choose to continue to pursue us and send Jesus to die on a cross so that people who were rejecting him and pushing him away could know relationship with God, reconnection with God again. And you and I have a responsibility in light of what we have been given to turn around and give it away to those who need it as well. Those that we like, those that acknowledge the goodness in us and who we are in Christ, and those who do not. Those who don't even like Jesus, the family members that don't want to have anything to do with us. It's our role to show them grace and mercy. So in your groups, I would just encourage you to talk about it, to think through that. And if you're listening to this and there is somebody that's coming to mind, it, that's not by chance. If there's an individual person coming to mind, it's because the Spirit is, is moving you towards grace and mercy for them. And I want to challenge you that that is actually an obedience thing. Like, you need to respond to that. I need to respond to that. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you've been following along, I'm just so thankful that you take the time to, to go through this. Also, if you want to find more of our episodes, you can find them at elamchurch.podbean.com. You can also download these episodes on iTunes. All you got to do is search up Elam Church. We're the first uh, church there. You'll recognize our logo. And if you want to find out anything else about Elam Church, I mean, this is an amazing community. Our, our vision statement is a community on the journey to be more like Jesus. And that's really what we want to become. Uh, we want to be more like Jesus in every aspect of our lives, and we want to do it together as a community. And so if you want to find out anything more about Elam, uh, you can go to our website, elamchurch.ca, and all the info that you need is there. Listen, grace and mercy, we can give that out. We can make a difference in the lives of the people that we like and as well as those that we dislike. We can actually point them to Jesus. And I would encourage you, you can do more than you think you can. You're doing better than you think you are. And we're just believing that God is going to use your life in some amazing ways. So have a great day. We'll see you next week. 